Chantel. And I'm Julia. And welcome to Unnecessary Angst. Whoa, we're going like sports <laughs> vibe there. <laughs> are we in a hockey game or are we hosting a podcast? You'll never know. <laughs> training for my future sportscaster job. That's the last thing I would ever give you as a job. I would not know what's going on at all. You could maybe do like a fourth of a soccer game before you lost interest. Yeah. Well, I would just be paying more attention to the game than actually commentating on it. That would be the problem. You'd be like, oh yeah, number 42 kicked a ball. There you go. I'm busy. Leave me alone. I would also be very, very biased. Uh, that's true. Like, if you were commentating a German soccer game, you would oh. only be commenting against Bayern Munich Bayern. and, like, how <laughs> Müller needs to retire and get him off the field. He sucks. We hate him. Word for word, that is exactly what would happen. <laughs> How much anyway. I picked up in the three months I lived with you. Oh, my goodness. Anyways, we're here today to talk about uh, chapters six through eight of The Cruel Prince, which I'm so excited about because more and more, I already hate Jude. I hate her so much in this I knew it. I knew it. I have so many feelings about these chapters. Um, so we have, a, we have a lot to get into. But first, Julia, what are you drinking tonight and how are you doing? I am drinking a green apple hard cider from Woodchuck, which I have been waiting for for months. It's been so hard to get these damn cans, but they are in my possession, so I am very, very happy. Um, I'm so excited for you. I know how much you love Woodchuck. I love Woodchuck. I would sell my soul to Woodchuck. Woodchuck and Chucksbury cider. <laughs> like, mm, that's mm-hmm. it. Um, I'm doing well. I just started my next term, so we're in winter 2021, um, second semester of grad school. Oh my god, I'm on my third day and I'm already tired, (laughs) but how are you doing? What are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking a (laughs) Barolo, uh, so I'm, I'm pretending like I'm fancy drinking fancy Italian wine, Uh except (laughs) it was like a $10 bottle from Trader Joe's. So that's where we're at right now. Um, I did also have, I have a ton of ciders in my fridge. I like stocked up on a couple of different options. So I, for our next time, I have a Golden State cider. That's a brute cider. So I'm like interested to see how that like dryness all plays out because normally I'm not a huge dry cider person but we'll see if I like it and then I got a a cider that's like it's called cosmic current and it's an apple cider but with black currant like (gasps) that sounds so good from Oregon yeah so I'm I'm gonna be like hyping up my west coast ciders while you hype up your east coast ciders and we'll Vermont ciders (laughs) well yeah (laughs) that's east coast to me now that's a different world Uh, but I'm good you know just changed I know man I'm no longer a New Yorker I was it's funny I was uh helping to tutor some um an eighth grader that you know family daughter of a family friend and she had a a uh 
leadership class assignment for to determine three words that describe her identity and my mom was asking me to help her and she was like is that just like race gender and existence and I was like is that all you can think of for your identity (laughs) like you probably are white but is that a key cornerstone of your identity probably not um you're probably more likely to identify as an Oklahoman or a Washingtonian my mom was like she's a Pacific Northwest and I'm like that's not a thing but nice try mom um but I was talking about how I was like I would probably still classify myself as a New Yorker rather than a Californian because I don't know how to be, like, a Californian, but I still got some of those, like, New York traits in me. But I'll slowly start to flush them out the longer I live here, I'm sure. Being surrounded by palm trees will do that to you. (laughs) Even though I'm in San Francisco, so. Um, But I'm doing good, you know. I'm in my second week of work. My project has picked up very quickly, so I've had a, a lot of work to do, so thank you for being patient with me as I've postponed our recording of this podcast, because I've had to work well, late. I've postponed it first, but yeah. You had a legitimate excuse. I just, like, needed to type things in an Excel spreadsheet until 10 well, p.m. last night. that's a legitimate night. excuse also, so. Uh, I should find better things to do with my time. Uh, it's <laughs> fine, though. But, no, I'm doing good. I'm excited. It's been a really good start to the new year. I feel like I've been really productive and active and that things have been going well. Um, So with that, Julia, do you have any New Year's resolutions that you want to keep yourself accountable for? I don't have any legitimate New Year's resolutions other than to get the vaccine. I would love to get out of COVID. (laughs) Let's, Let's move forward. 2021... Come on, give me something better than 2020. True. I just want that vaccine. Yeah. How, what's yours? I have two. So um, I'm trying to put makeup on every day that I know that I have a video call, which means every weekday because I'm always on the phone and all of our calls are video calls. Um, but it's going to mean that, you know, I, I'm trying to be a little bit more proactive and sort of aware of how I'm presenting myself to other people so like not wearing sweatshirts on all my video calls with no makeup on because I wouldn't show Mm -hmm. up to an office like that so I'm trying to get myself back in that vibe of like how to be a professional (laughs) and exist in a professional setting (laughs) thank you and then my other new year's resolution is to work out more consistently because I'm really normally shit at working out which you know because you tried to get me to work out with you all the time when I was living with you and I was just like but we could eat Nutella cake instead and I (laughs) was constantly trying to convince you to eat dessert rather than go for a run Uh, am I wrong no (laughs) you really tried though you did try I I tried a little bit but I wasn't like as gung-ho about it as I probably could have been so as part of my like sort of drive in 2021 to make sure that I have a little bit more work-life balance and especially with working from home that like I'm taking care of myself making sure I'm putting myself first um the makeup thing's part of that to like make me feel like my best self but also I'm gonna try to work out more consistently so my plan is to work out 
at least 15 minutes every day in some capacity, except for the days that we record this podcast. So I didn't record, I didn't work out today. Um, But I've worked out pretty consistently every other day since I think the last time we recorded. Um, So maybe you should get one of those like the like bikes, you know, with the desk attached to it. I don't like bikes. I don't like riding bikes. They're not my thing. Um, it would be so funny to see you do that. Though. It would be funny to watch. It would not be fun for me. I hate bicycles. <laughs> but what I have found, because you know I have a Nintendo Switch, which I adore, mm-hmm. um, there are so many good workout classes that use the, the Joy-Con. So, like, you and I did a lot of dancing when I was living <laughs> with you. We played a lot of Just Dance, which is a good one for cardio. But I also have a game um that allows you to do like basic strength training and like calisthenics with pretending like you're fighting monsters so you use different exercises to fight different kinds of monsters which is perfect for me because I live in a (laughs) non-reality half of the time um and then I also just recently bought a fitness boxing game that allows you it's just like basic boxing classes and you can do like 30 to 40 minutes of boxing so with the exception of today I've done consistent 30 minute boxing classes every day for like the last four or five days yeah so maybe you should take up boxing too once this is all over I am in love with boxing I really like feeling like I'm punching things it 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 just expels a lot of anxiety and stress for me okay you know, you got to get those endorphins pumping, expel the toxic energy. That's what I'm yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boxing. so funny. I love punching things. Well, that's like people always used to ask me why I love to play soccer when I was growing up. And, you know, most people are like, oh, I like, like, hanging out with my friends and I really like scoring goals. Like, it makes me feel really motivated. And I'm like, I pretend the ball is this boy's head that I don't like. And then I just kick it into a fence repeatedly until I feel better. Oh, God. But the important thing is I don't commit to commit any acts of violence against other people. I work out my aggression in more positive ways. Okay. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Questionable, but true. I'm not a violent person. I just want to be prepared to expel all of my violent <laughs> tendencies and before I come into a situation where I could be violent. Because I'm a West Coaster by heart. We exist to be passive aggressive. Mm-hmm. We would never be violent on first round. I can't let that New Yorker leak out of me. Okay. Anyways, so we're talking about chapters six through eight today. So let's get into it because we have a, a lot to go through. Uh, so I'll walk us through chapters six and seven. Chapter six is, is pretty short. Um, it's really just there to kind of give us some insight into how Jude grew up in the fairy world. So it has nothing to do with the actual story. It's just kind of an insert. And it gives us some background on her life from, like, stories growing up that she doesn't really like to focus on because she doesn't feel good about those situations that happen. So she tells us three specific stories. The first one, uh, when she was nine... One of Maddox's guards bit off, bit, like with his teeth, bit off part of her ring finger and made her watch him eat it, which is disgusting. 
Uh, and he just told her about how much he hated mortals and said that if she told anyone that he did this, that he would eat the rest of her because then he'd kill her and would enjoy it. So, of course, she never told anyone because she was a terrified nine-year-old, which, hashtag traumatic. Oh, my gosh. Then the second story, when she was 11, she was at court hiding at one of the balls, and a bored fairy uh, man dragged her out of her hiding place, force-fed her, like, fairy juice, so not human juice, and made her dance. And as we learned from previous chapters, like, once a human starts dancing in the fairy realm, they can't really stop. And Jude describes it as a terrifying fun at first, but then she couldn't stop dancing and she started getting freaking, she started freaking out. The drink that she was force-fed because it wasn't, like, meant for human consumption made her ill, so she was, like, dancing and puking at the same time. And then eventually Princess Elowen found her and then returned her to Oriana, who was just, like, disgusted with her. And they never told Maddox about it. And then the third story, uh, when she was 14, and Oak, her little brother, was four, um, she was, at one point in time, just coming out of the bath, so she wasn't wearing anything, really, other than a towel. Oak glamoured her, because he didn't want to go to bed, so he glamoured her so she would play with him, and made her play dolls with him, chase him around, and then he realized that he could make her do anything, so he made her slap herself, because four-year-old humor, he thought it was funny. Uh, Tatterfell, the little imp that always helped, like, or that helped raise her, found her, and helped her, made sure to get her deglamorized, get her her rowan berries, and then she wore her rowan berries consistently from then onwards. But still, for weeks after, Oak kept trying to glamour her, but it obviously wasn't working. And Jude was very upset that he kept trying and that, like, he kept trying to, like, intentionally harm her. But she just kind of, like, held it all in and Oriana would get pissed at her because she didn't like that Jude was showing restraint. She'd rather that Jude would have, like, punished Oak as a child rather than, like, hold on to that resentment and let it fester and then take it out on him later when he was a little bit older, which is weird, but we'll get into that in the commentary, I'm sure. have a lot of issues. <laughs> yeah, they are, like, emotionally repressed and messed up. Um, and then she kind of, like, wraps up the chapter by saying these stories illustrate how vulnerable she is as a mortal and also illustrate how non-fairy she is, like how she will never really be one of them, even if she wants to best them. She'll never be a part of the community. Mm-hmm. Has nothing to do with the plot, though. So then chapter seven, we get back to the <laughs> plot, um, and we go back to the school day, like right after their lunch break, where she had pulled that prank on Cardin and his cronies, and they're in classes after the lunch break. Cardin basically just keeps glaring at her during class because she keeps being a little butt and giving correct answers just to prove how smart she is. But he's also being a brat and just being obnoxious during class and, like, talking over the teacher and stuff. The class ends early and Taryn and Jude start walking home. Um, Taryn's really concerned about Jude picking these fights. She thinks that it's not a good idea. 
Um, and she doesn't really understand why Jude is doing it instead of just like playing nice and making their lives easier. Jude knows that Taryn is right, but she's just still really upset because Maddox uh, said that she couldn't try to be a knight. So she just wants to be reckless and basically jump off this precipice and jump off the edge and not, you know, think about the consequences of her actions, which frustrates me to no end. It's fine. Um, then out of nowhere, someone grabs Jude from behind and then she turns and she sees Locke is also holding Taryn. Uh, and all the cronies are there. They shove Taryn and Jude into the water far enough out that like without help they could potentially drown which is what the four of them are potentially hoping for like they might actually be trying to commit murder here it's not fully clear if it's a joke or serious um but then just to be extra asshole-ish they start throwing all of jude and taryn's school things into the waters all of their books that and papers and annoys stuff. me to no end mm, like they i could know drown, but like throwing their stuff in the water <laughs> respect the property of the institution of learning yeah very important um so then nikasia makes a comment that the four of them sometimes play too hard with their toys and that causes their toys to break and Valerian chimes in that they're not actually drowning them because they're not anywhere near them they'll just drown themselves and so then their hands are clean which, like, both of them, so many emotional baggage issues, I can't even start. Uh, Jude kind of goes under the water, but manages to grab a tree branch and make her way over to Taryn. Cardin offers to save Jude if she abandons the ideas of participating in the tourney. Uh, and then, as before she gives a response, she asks if he'll also save Taryn and make sure that her sister's safe. And it, he's, um, he's curious if she will only listen to him if it's for the sake of Taryn. And it's like asking her if she feels noble by wanting to protect her sister, which is such a weird statement. But again, we'll get into it. Uh, Jude retorts just asking him how he wants her to feel because she knows that he doesn't actually care what her actual emotional state is or like how she actually is thinking about the situation and then he like goes off on a tangent and asks if being a twin makes her feel like she's been doubled or like she's been halved which is like such, such a weird it's not cloning like it's such a weird question fairies clearly don't learn it we learned it's not in the lineup of classes so they don't understand how twins work apparently uh and she doesn't answer because obviously that's a loaded question that like is she's better off not dealing with and then he gives taryn basically the same deal that he was going to give jude but uh basically says if you renounce your sister and like don't defend her i'll save you and also you have to kiss both of my cheeks um and i won't hold you accountable for jude's defiance mainly he's doing this because he wants to show jude that she will always be alone which man is he living up to the title of this book what a dick 
Uh, Jude tells Taryn that she should go save herself, basically, and, and Taryn does. And then Cardin points out how easy it was to get her sister to abandon her and threatens that there's so much worse they can do with enchantments and curses to, like, make her life a living hell. But it's, like, also this completely disregards the fact that she literally told her sister to go. So it's, like, it's not... She made herself alone. He didn't make her alone. But again, it's a moot point. So Jude's then, or Taryn's then out. Jude's still in the water. Um, and she has to basically kiss Cardin on both cheeks and kind of like grovel to him. And then they get bored with dealing with the situation. So they leave. Jude gets herself out of the water and her and Taryn walk home. Taryn's just kind of crying because she's, she's a soft girl. She's got a lot of feelings and Jude is just like simmering in how much she hates them (laughs) and also how much she doesn't belong so lots of action in chapter seven oh yeah that was a lot packed in there yeah chapter eight though we get a lot more action yeah we do slightly different variety of action um so we get we start the chapter with Jude being woken up by Vivi, who is shaking her, and declares that they're going to the mall in the human world, not a fairy mall. Um, <laughs> I love this so much. I know. We're going to the mall. Hop in. <laughs> Jude puts on um, some human outfits, which is like jeans and a t-shirt, basically, and like some, sh- some sneakers, and thinks back on how Vivi used to say they would all escape back to the mortal realm, but it never really happened because reality set in. Vivi turns ragworts into horses and commands them to take them into the mortal realm, which apparently isn't that challenging, and fairies go there all the time, since the fairy realm is always near the mortal realm, beside it and beneath it, in all the crooks and crannies. Sure. So, there could be one right outside my door, for all I know. I hope not, for your sake. <laughs> so then they each get on a horse, um, it's Terran, Jin, and Vivi, and ride through to the mortal realm and quote-unquote park their horses near the mall, <laughs> which would be such a sight to see. In Maine. Uh, like, they're yes, in the in state of Maine, which is so random. I love that. Maine doesn't get enough fictional YA action. Like... I have no care for Maine, but I just love that it's this random state in a YA book that you never see Maine, right? Mm, I feel like you see it in a lot of adult books. Adult books, but not YA. I've never seen YA. YA you know what else New York or... you don't see in YA? North Dakota. Yeah, because there's nothing in North Dakota. At least in Maine you get some good oceans. <laughs> there's Fargo! <laughs> There's nothing else in North Dakota. <laughs> like, what are you going to do in Fargo? I don't know. <laughs> Hang out with Ben Affleck? I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyway, so they walk around. I love this. J.C. Penny, which is like... <laughs> Throwback? <laughs> what? This book didn't come out that long ago. Why are they walking around J.C. Penny? I mean, to be fair, in my little vermont mall that i would always go to there is still a jc penny there but like otherwise i don't think jc penny really exists 
It does. I shopped there in high school a lot, so like I relate to this. Like I bought yeah, all but of now, my. Yeah, now they went bankrupt a few years ago. They still exist though. Yeah, in like small towns. <laughs> yeah, they're in Maine, Julia. <laughs> no, it's just funny. Also, JCPenney's have Sephora's in them a lot of times, so maybe that Vivi just true. wanted a new lipstick. Who knows? Um, so they go to JCPenney, um, and we learn that Vivi loves going to the mall, and Taryn somewhat enjoys it, and Jude just wants to scare little children because the world makes her angry. <laughs> Is that a good app description? <laughs> of the app description of how she's feeling. <laughs> Uh, Vivi brings them uh, to where they uh, brought them to because she wants them to work out their problems. Like she's like, it's clear Taryn and Jude have problems. We're going to the mortal realm because I want to go to the vault and you guys can work on your problem. <laughs> Win-win situation. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Jude apologizes for putting Taryn in a tough situation, and Taryn is where Jude's angry for her choice, aka leaving her, which like. She's she not told her right. to leave her, so it's fine. Um, Vivi then chimes in saying that Judy is to level up her prank game on the prince and to get over knighthood because it would be boring. God, <laughs> Vivi. Uh, I don't know if she's, you know, wrong there, but... So, <laughs> Jude flashes back to when they were kids. And they once ran away to the mortal realm, and Vivi made sure they were housed and fed with her magic. Both Taryn and Jude wanted to go back to Fairy. She went with them, Vivi went with, back with them and stayed, even though she hated it there. And Vivi tells them that they are there to meet her girlfriend, who doesn't know about Fairy, and wants her to move in. <laughs> they want to get a house together. The months. escalation in this chapter is insane. Like I didn't even know how to summarize it quickly because like so many things happen it's from so sentence long. to sentence. It's like insane. Uh, so she, they want to move into in the human realm, not in fairy. And she also wants Taryn and Jude to come live with her and forget everything up from fairy which this is coming right off of like a whole paragraph about how vivi could not convince jude and taryn to stay with her in the mortal realm before so why does she think it's gonna happen now we don't know um and to get used to living in the human world again jude reminds her that fairy is more than their home than the mortal realm because they were so young when they were taken and, and they argue back and forth some more and then heather is waiting outside the apple store and jude also makes a very good point here that she has no marketable skills other than throwing a sword around and riddles. And scaring <laughs> children. Favorite sentences, yes. She's thinking it realistically, what can I say? That's true. Also, I just really, I love the, like, normalness of this chapter. That it's like, and then I know. Heather is waiting inside <laughs> the Apple store. <laughs> After everything we've been talking about, Heather's the girlfriend. Um... In case that so wasn't they meet, clear. They meet Heather, the girlfriend, and Jude comments on how ironic it is that for how much he tries to not be like her father, she also fell in love with a human. We then learn that Viv- that Heather's nickname for Vivi is V, which is just a <laughs> nickname for a nickname. <laughs> and they sit down and get coffee. 
Heather uh, gabs about her community college art classes, and Jude and Taryn dodge awkward questions. They admit she is the first girlfriend of Vivi's they have met, and awkwardly tell her that their dad is conservative, which is why she has never been invited over before. (laughs) It's like such an awkward conversation. The understatement of the century. (sighs) God. So they hang around the mall some more and then say goodbye to Heather. And after Taryn and Jude tell Vivi, she will have to be honest with her at some point. Um, they then stop at CVS so Jude can get some tampons for her and Taryn. Another perk of being mortal, because fairies apparently don't have periods, or they get their periods but only an- annually, and their padding is crap. <laughs> and there's a whole paragraph on this. Which I had to include it in the summary. <laughs> weird enough as it was (laughs) i appreciate it but we'll come back to that we'll get back to it yeah as they walk back to their horses (laughs) not their cars their horses their weed horses an emo teenage guy grabs jude's wrist calling her sweetheart and clearly about to ask her out he saw her in the food court which what happens next i can't blame jude for like if a guy grabbed virus i would react this way also (laughs) Um, she, of course, nails him in the jaw and then kicks him in the stomach, and he's on the ground crying, and Jude realizes he was just trying to flirt. So they all run away, and someone's yelling at her because this guy, whose name is Milo, is bleeding. (laughs) Which is so good. So Vivi casts a spell at him to make him uh, wander, or pixie led, so he can't follow them, and they head back to their horses. Vivi giggles and says Maddox would be proud because Jude remembered all her training and was staving off the terrifying possibility of romance. Direct quote. I love that line. I love it. Jude retorts, this is why she can't be in the mortal world. Uh, Back in Fairy... Jude is pondering what happened both at home and at school and is gearing up for the summer tournament the next day. Cardin would not keep her from fighting. Actually, the opposite. His threats are why she wants to fight. Uh, because she is a masochist. <laughs> Which I don't think is in the book. I think that should tell added that for me. Yeah, anything in parentheses was a comment for you just okay. to make you, like, <laughs> chuckle. Um also I don't remember reading she's a masochist when you when we said like the thing about like Vivi's nickname I put in parentheses how short can this girl's name get true (laughs) so sorry Uh, (laughs) then they break for lunch and Fan who's another fairy student comes over to confirm that Jude will be fighting since she missed the mock battle and uh, Fan is the team captain and Jude says she will be Later, she sees Taryn standing by Cardin near a circle of trees, crying. So Jude barges over to them and shoves him into a tree and tells him to stay away from Tara because he gave her his word. Everyone is now watching them, and then he smiles at her, saying that she will regret it. She then says internally how good it feels to give up on regrets. And that's the end of chapter 8. This girl and is we're so preparing for another war. This girl is so reckless. Like I, uh, I can't. But like we're literally gearing up for a battle. Like the next chapter is going to be the battle, right? Like it has to be. We've been talking about this battle for like thirty pages. Oh my yeah. god, I have so many feelings about these chapters, Julia. We just we should just get into it. Okay, chapter six. Okay. <laughs> 
this chapter is weird. Like, it's a very inserted chapter. It, yeah, it just, it feels extremely strange. It's, like, weird to have Jude directly addressing the reader because that's not the narration Mm -hmm. style before or after this chapter. Like, she's directly talking to the reader. Like, let me tell you about this moment that happened that I haven't shared with anyone because I don't feel comfortable. And it's, like, very fourth wall breaky in a way that this yeah. book doesn't seem set up to support that I just, I don't like chapter six. We didn't need it. It was unnecessary violence. I had gotten the point beforehand. Like this didn't make it better. Um, and I, I, I just don't like the break from the narration style at all. I'm also struggling to see the fun in anything that happened to her in the second story where like the guy force fed her fairy juice and like made her dance what's fun i feel like it's like alcohol like that moment before you're like really drunk where you're like in this euphoria almost you know and like you can't get off of that high i get i don't know like she was the way she was describing it she was like it was terrifying fun feeling like you didn't have control over anything blah 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 and i was like That just sounds terrifying. Like, that's the reason, at least for me, kind of to your point, why it took me so long to even be open to having alcohol in my life. Like, I didn't drink till I turned 21, and the reason is because I'm such a control freak. I don't like letting go of any semblance of control over my own life. So to be 11 and not have control over your body and, like, what's going on and to be puking and moving and, like, just not be able to change any of that would be so scary to me like that's one of my greatest fears so no part of this whole scenario seems in any remote possibility to be able to be described by the word fun (laughs) i'm struggling i think it's basically like a drug like it's like this feeling of like being on a high and like you a uh, one part of your brain is like yes like this is so good this is so fun and your other part of the brain like the sane part of your brain is that controlling part where you're like why is this happening to me like i need to come down from this but i can't like what do i do hmm fair okay i guess i get it i wouldn't put myself into these situations but i also don't live in the fairy world so like i wouldn't be in these situations in the first place um I would have throttled Oak. <laughs> like, yeah. the next day. I don't care. <laughs> so you're not having kids? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but, like, as his sister, like, as his peer. Yeah. I mean, I know that she's um, 14 and he's 4, but, like, it, it, siblings, it's different. But I do think mm-hmm. it's really interesting from Oriana um that she wanted Jude to like commit revenge <laughs> and was like hoping for that because I actually kind of agree with that point from a parenting perspective weirdly enough because it's probably a lot safer for Oak for Jude to commit whatever kind of revenge she can come up with as a 14 year old where she's still a child um and like work it out in the moment where you don't have all of this like 
tension built up over years and years and years whereas like if she comes up with some torture mechanism as an adult (laughs) after having more lived experience and like pain she could probably do something really traumatic to this kid yeah who's 10 years younger than her and it could be a lot harsher so like in a way even though it's weird to have oriana like wanting her son to be punished it's kind of preservation for her son um but like inadvertently she's also kind of showing some level of care towards jude because like if that were the case and jude was able to like work it out of her system early on it would probably help her mental health because she wouldn't be harboring resentments um and would be able to kind of like deal with things as they occur rather than like holding on to these things and letting them fester because that's not good for your mental health Oriana didn't need to do that like that's very clear but that's like a good side effect of if she would have actually gotten you to deal with it I have something about this but I want to loop it into something in uh chapter seven so we'll I'll come back to it okay um and so like but like talking about the like throttling my throttling (laughs) what I would have done like I which I've told you this before, but, like, I grew up, both of us did, right, as only children. So, like, the closest thing we had to brothers and sisters were maybe our cousins or, like, very close family friends. And I had two close, two cousins that were boys that were relatively close in age to me. One was um, nine months older and one was two years younger. And... They were both brats. <laughs> They're still both brats, to be honest. Um, but, like, they would take my toys or pull my hair or just, like, be obnoxious and annoying and idiots. And I hated it a lot of the time. And, like, there was my my one cousin that was a little bit younger than me. My aunt and uncle would have punished me if I hurt him if he did something bad to me. So, like, if he, like, stole my toys or pulled my hair and I retaliated, I would have gotten in trouble because I needed to be, like, the good girl and the prim and proper one and, like, all of this stuff. Um, And it's, like, thinking back on it, like, I still, my mom will, like, talk to me about our family and I will still bring up how he used to steal my toys as a three-year-old and I resent it. Like, I harbor all of these resentments because I wasn't allowed to work out my feelings about how he acted towards me as a child and, like, how he always got better treatment and I was just expected to suck it up. Um, And I still am angry about those things, which is stupid like we were four and two it doesn't matter but like I it's like built into my psyche like I can't let it go but then I had this other cousin who's a little bit older than me that when he irritated me we had no parental supervision so I beat the shit out of him and for the longest time I was bigger than him because we were about the same age and he hit puberty later than I did so I was always taller and I would just wrestle with him and beat the crap out of him and then he wouldn't hurt me anymore and like cause me problems and while I still don't really get along with him that's like of things between us as adults I have no like I loved hanging out with him as a kid and I you know like I treasure our relationship as children because we were able to work out our differences and like 
work it out like kids where I didn't have that opportunity with my younger cousin and so I I, I see Oriana's point is the long story TLDR. <laughs> sorry I feel like you need the context for everything yeah I had no similar experiences. I had no cousins that were similar or close to... Well, I had, like, a couple, but they were mostly girls. And then the... I guess my closest male cousin was always very nice to me, so I never had those problems. I was going to say, what about our one, like, German (laughs) family friend? Did you guys ever fight growing up? Um, no, I don't think so. (laughs) And I see, had a pretty mild child. Okay, my last comment for chapter six. I just, like, Jude illustrates all these points to basically be like, I'm not a fairy, and I hate how mortal I am, and all of these, you know, she, it's like she's ashamed of being human, and it's just not, it's not clear what she wants. Like, she's very wishy-washy on what she is expecting to gain and like what her goals are and so that's i mean you had a great point at the beginning of this podcast she's an unreliable narrator and oh god am i seeing it because i just i i can't identify like what's her motivation what's driving her like what she actually wants in this world like it doesn't seem like she wants to be one of them but then she's so lustful after their lives that like I just don't get it. Why would you want to be a part of this cruel world? Just go hang out at the mall. It's easier. The Apple Store has so many fun things to play with. Like, what the hell? <laughs> but, like, you have to remember, she's 17 years old. Like, she's not even at college age yet. Like, kids, anyone who has their life together at 17, I would be so impressed by. And, like, this is the world that she grew up in. This is what she's used to. And it's hard like in that aspect not in like a fairy aspect but like in the mm-hmm. like i don't really know what i'm doing here but this is my home like in some ways i think i relate to that in like vermont like it was it was hard for me to leave vermont because like that's what i knew but like i need to get out of vermont it was not where i really belonged you know mm-hmm. for well her, and i she think needs to figure out like does she really belong in fairy or does she belong in the human world and so i'm jealous Yeah, no, she's definitely jealous, but I think, like, and it's probably just because I can't relate to it from how I was when I was 17, but I almost imagine it, it's like you have the popular kids in school, and then you have the nerdy kids who, like, don't fit into the world of high school, and, like, I was clearly one of the nerdy kids, but I never felt the inclination to want to fit in with the popular kids or be like them or be better than them I was just like you're not worth my time I'm leaving this world I have better things to do than like deal with your petty drama and so I moved across the country and like I did that without a hesitation like I was so ready to get out I didn't want to deal which is like I think that's why I relate to Vivi so much and why I'm struggling to like get a grasp on Jude because I just I can't relate to that lived experience because it's just not how I lived my experience of wanting to because I I fully wanted to escape I did not want to ingratiate myself 
into the world around me whatsoever. Like, by the time I was 14, my mom was like, where do you want to go to college? The University of Washington? I'm like, Columbia. She's like, New York? You've never been to New York. I'm like, somewhere far away from here. USC? Columbia? Case Western Reserve? I'll go to Ohio. I don't care. Just get me out of this town. Mm Mm-hmm. So maybe that's my struggle. I'll try to keep that more in perspective. That's a good a good point, I think. Do you have anything else for Chapter 6? Um, I just, like, I want to talk about toxic bravery and YA. <laughs> like, How much time do you have? I know. It's like every time I read it, I get pissed about it. Because, like, on the one hand, I don't want to read YAs with, like, super scaredy cat characters on the other hand i don't want to read ya's where like the female protagonist always has to go and get herself killed or like has to like be this like fearless like confidence like no vulnerability like person like it's just not realistic um it's because they don't write ya protagonists that are ravenclaws or slytherins julia we can't relate to them i know but, like, I, it feels, this chapter annoys me in that it feels like Holly Black's trying to kind of, like, get to that place where, like, she isn't fearless. Like, she has vulnerabilities that she doesn't want to talk about. And so these are her flaws. Here you go. And then, like, moves on from there. And, like, I'm like, that's not enough. Like, we do get more as the story progresses, but this particular chapter just feels so, like, it's like a slap in the face. Like, here you go. Let's move on. Right, it's like, it's very much telling, not showing, Um, and like the way that you're not supposed to do in writing, I feel like. It's basically like, hmm, you've probably been questioning if Jude is a perfect person up to this point, because she seems Mm -hmm. like it, so here, let me throw three anecdotes at you to show that she's not, and then we're going to resume our normal storytelling, and it's like, why don't you just more organically build bad moments and like weak moments for her into the story because they're already there like I think that's the frustrating thing is I wasn't going into chapter six and I didn't come out of chapter six feeling like she was a perfect person like she clearly has flaws and insecurities and things she needs to deal with and it just it didn't add a lot other than just reiterating how cruel this world is which i didn't really need i think that character backgrounds are probably going to be holly black's like achilles heel like she Mm. has it comes up again later where she like inserts stuff to justify why a character is like the way they are and it's kind of like yeah but also no (laughs) she should just take a tip from her friend Lee Bardugo that you need to tailor the flashbacks because mm-hmm. if we've learned anything from Six of Crows which is basically our gospel at this point with how much we love this book <laughs> but like rehab seriously we need to go to Six of Crows rehab it's so bad but like we don't like the flashbacks that much with Kaz at the beginning because it's like you're not actually getting all the information you're just getting like pointless storytelling which is really obnoxious when you read it now i will say having finished the audiobook it adds so much value in the audiobook it's like great 
for auditory listening and just like that way of taking in the story but it's shit for the book itself um and like they should learn from that it's like don't do that just show us the story show us the characters in the moments that they're in let us feel their lived experiences and if you need it to be something like this build in a flashback in a way that feels organic and important to the story rather than just like random shit Mm -hmm. inserted okay so we hate chapter six great (laughs) moving on to chapter seven uh okay here i'll start with chap do i have anything for chapter seven i have very (laughs) few comments so please start oh i um (laughs) i was i looked up nixies because i was very confused by what a nixie is Mm -hmm. it turns out they are germanic water spirits Ooh. basically they're mermaids which is very redundant because she also talks about mermaids in the book so like what's the Mm. difference between a nixie and a mermaid like the nixie that they talk about in at least on the wikipedia page (laughs) uh is the lorelei which is in american terms a mermaid so yeah you know what the lorelei well i would say the lorelei is a siren i wouldn't say she's a mermaid well isn't a siren a mermaid though it just reels in men they're different so like okay I, you know i mean we're pop culturing a little bit but like you know how much i love the witcher mm-hmm. and i've been i've played the witcher 3 the video game and i've been slowly but surely working my way through the book so i finished the first two short story collections so the last wish and sword of destiny and there is a short story about a mermaid who falls in love with a duke um, and the Duke wants her to become a human, and she wants him to become a merman, and, like, they can't find a middle ground for, like, how to make their love work. Um, and it's all about, like, making the little sacrifices for the people in your life, because every Witcher short story has a fucking moral. Um, but she's, like, fully sentient, like, able to hold conversations, have, like, supreme thought, and, you know, be very moral and and all of these things she's not a monster but then there are also in the witcher universe sirens that are monsters that need to be killed um so there's like a clear distinction between the two Hmm. so like when i think of mermaids in folklore i think of those like sentient intelligent beings that like yes they are half fish and maybe somewhat warlike, but are able of rational thought. Whereas, like, I see sirens, like the Greek mythology, like the islands of the sirens, Odysseus, their only purpose is to lure men to their death. Like, they're not trying to accomplish anything else. They're and monsters. I was following with these Nixies, so that would make sense. Okay, so they're more like sirens. Yeah. Interesting. Um, well, maybe then it's, since we're talking about it, I can bring up one of my pop culture references now. Because, like, sorry. Because um, I was, with the way that they were describing them, I was reading them like Grindy Lows from Harry Potter. Oh, interesting. Like the little water demons that would, like, bite you and then, like, drag you under the water. Yeah. 
Because they didn't really well, they, seem super sentient. Yeah. They didn't seem large either. She could describe it as, like, I think a shadow moving away from a rock. Like, nothing big. It was from, like, some kind of a, not necessarily a goddess, but, like, a specific person called Nyx. Nyx. And then it was mm-hmm. also Nyxie. Interesting. Okay, I'm going to presume that they're supposed to be more like Grindylos based off of their definition in the book. Or, like, their description in the book. Because they just, they don't seem mermaidy or siren-y. They just seem like, I'm going to grab you. Like, sirens at least use some kind of, like, mystical power to lure you in and then eat you. This isn't even interesting. They just eat you. And they want easy prey, so. Yeah, it feels very. work for it. Right. And that's what I'm saying. It feels very grindy low. Like, you know how they, um, like, grabbed Flora and, like, dragged mm-hmm. her down to the bottom and she was, like, barely able to escape and they'll, like, overwhelm you? Okay. Executive decision. They're more like grindy lows. <laughs> Maybe slightly more intelligent than grindy lows, but, like. Holly Black, could you please give us a description of what a Nixie is? Okay. What else do you have for Chapter 7? Um, I think that was it. I didn't really have a lot. Uh, Cardin and his posse really annoyed me. The whole throwing the mm-hmm. school supplies into the river, like, I I don't know why. Like, the prospect of Jude and Taryn drowning, like, was sad. But it was the school supplies, like, the description of the books going into the water and, like, the image I had in my mind of all of this precious school belongings going into the river and getting washed away i don't know it like really hurt me (laughs) i mean to be fair i would probably be more inclined to like care about that than taryn drowning (laughs) no because like i still i still haven't felt like that much of a connection to her she's kind of a crybaby she's nice she's such a Oh, my God. But, like, she's kind of a crybaby. She wants to, like, keep the peace. She's very boring. Yep. Like, I'm not interested in her well, at she all. she is the exact opposite of Jude. Like, right. complete polar opposite. She's She wants to pacify everything. Like, make everything good. Make everyone happy. She's a people pleaser. And Jude is the most belligerent, aggressive, antagonistic person, like, I've ever described in a book so there's the polar opposites but i know jude's not gonna drown because then we wouldn't have a trilogy of books and if taryn drowned like you don't know maybe it's gonna be told from taryn's perspective the, the last book or something i'm just saying you don't know okay but at least this book is gonna be told from jude's perspective so she's not dying yet yeah yeah so, like, I just, it, it felt like it was, like, all of this buildup in the chapter for, like, all of this, <gasps> are they going to die? Are they going to be okay? And it's like, no, we know they're not going to die. This is chapter seven. Like, what? This isn't Game of Thrones. This is a YA book. <laughs> Imagine. I mean, we did get a very nice description of a guy biting off part of her finger. So. Uh, kids yeah. lose fingers all the time can do worse playing with fireworks on the 4th of July. Oh, no. I, so, I didn't, like, I don't know why, but locks sort of, like, 
feigned disinterest in the whole situation and like him turning the other cheek and like kind of saying things to Nikasia but like not trying that hard Mm -hmm. just like really rubbed me the wrong way and I think part of it has to do with everything that's been going on in the world this week so sorry but I just (laughs) it's not a good time to read about someone turning the other cheek no it's not because it's like you have to take active roles against standing against tyranny like fuck but i just it was really bothering me when i was reading it this weekend i want him to be a good person i want him to do something about like this injustice that's being committed though like i know he can't you are projecting your problems projecting the problems of the world onto this <laughs> fictional character um you don't even know i know well and it's I like i barely met him i know but like i can already tell i can already tell he's supposed to be like, like no no he's supposed to be the good one out of the four of them like he's the nicest of the four of them that doesn't mean much but he's the most lenient i still think it's probably a trap <laughs> I should not have said anything to you at the beginning of this book. (laughs) But I just, like, I want him to do something about the injustice. And I know he won't because either he helps now in a big way and gets kicked out of the group, which is bad, or he's able to help in small ways for longer, like what he did with the moth boy. And he's clearly taking that second approach but it bothers me because the state of the world is in and I need to get over myself because it's a fictional book and I can't like attribute sedition and like dealing with sedition on Holly Black that's not fair so apologies guys I'm just struggling with stories this week anyway um I also just, like, can't really figure out what game Cardin is playing. Like, I don't want understand what's driving him. And I feel like there's something more than just him not liking Jude. But I can't... I can't tell what it is. Okay, this is what I'm going to bring up, what I was going to bring up in the last chapter. I think that it's pretty clear from Oriana's whole not trusting Jude because of what Oak did and... Mm-hmm. Cardin's comments about how does she feel this, like, sense of, like, I don't know, goodness for defending her sister. Like, why? Mm-hmm. Why? Like, he's so, he's clearly confused about why she would do something to help her sister. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty clear that fairies have a big problem with loyalty. They do not seem to understand what it is. They travel in packs for sure and they have alliances but individually i don't think any of them trust each other like there's no sense of trust there's no sense of loyalty it's all like fake basically it's well it feels like there might be some kind of earned loyalty but there's no familial loyalty like yeah so maybe that's where part of it's coming from that it's like Cardin's siblings, right, all of them are engaged in this, like, they're all in these different circles, factions, whatever you want to call them. They're all picking different sides. None of them really agree with their father. Like, it's all 
very disparate in their family and it's all about political alliances and so he probably doesn't understand what it's like to feel love for a sibling like for another person just because of your blood and your shared existence of coming into the world together um whereas like Tarn and Jude have that from having lived in the mortal realm Mm -hmm. in a mortal family but Oriana probably feels the same thing that she doesn't trust that Jude is going to be careful around her son because she doesn't understand the concept of familial loyalty other than what she feels for Oak as her son yeah but it seems like the like Locke, Valerian, Nicasia, and Cardin are all very bound and, like, that they trust each other. Are they, though? Well, Locke clearly won't disappoint them, so, like, something's binding them together. But, like, it's also in Locke's interest to be in that posse. Like, they're clearly, you know the regina georges of their little school group i was gonna say mean girls <laughs> like they're they're pretty clearly like the the top whatever. oh my god is Locke the caddy heron oh my god <laughs> i don't think he is that'd be funny <laughs> um i yeah I think that it's in their self, like, Cardin is a prince, so he clearly gets to be the top automatically, right? Like, Mm -hmm. he is the top of the food chain. Right. And then, Nikesha is also some sort of royalty, we know that, and so she's also up there automatically, Mm -hmm. so they're going to form an alliance because of those ties. Valerian is clearly just out for, like, He's just a dick. Exactly. Yeah. So he probably wants to be on the top of the food chain like he clearly is a dominant person and Cardin and Acacia are not about to become enemies with some guy who like would probably eat them for dinner I have no idea what Locke's story is I don't know why he's there I have no explanation for him he is I guess Katie Heron though we she should call her Katie because that's her name I'm but sorry Katie Heron I like calling her Katie because that's what Janice yeah. calls her um Okay, I just, yeah. I don't know. It's hard to tell because it's like we, I want to know more about like how things actually are rather than Jude's perception of things. Because like I can already tell, I mean I know we're only eight chapters in, but like it's so clear. (laughs) give me more. (laughs) Well, it's also, yes, I want more context but it's also just so clear how jaded jude's perception Mm -hmm. of everything is that it's just not helpful narration because she is so biased that like i can't see anything about like cardin and his motivations and like why what's happening is happening i can't see it clearly so i'm like trying to interpret her narration in a way that's like useful because like I, there's something there's something more to why he's targeting her and bullying her other than just he doesn't like mortals like i can just feel it in my bones that there is something more <laughs> please tell me now if i'm wrong so i can stop this madness 
I'm, I'm not telling you anything else. I've learned my lesson. I can't tell you anything else. No, I'm just saying tell me if I'm wrong. If I'm not no, wrong, I'm st- don't I'm say still anything. I'm not telling you. I'm still not telling you anything. <laughs> Save me some worry, Julia. God. Well, I that just can't... means I'm right, so I'm going to continue uh, to worry I'm about it. I'm not saying that I'm right or you're right. I'm saying that I'm not answering you anymore. I've learned my lesson, and it is to not telling you anything this is else. not fair i answered so many questions for you for the concealed yeah but the concealed didn't have as many like i will tell you that there's a lot of betrayals that will happen later on and the concealed did not have this many betrayals i could tell you no but like, it did start doing shots every time a character <laughs> portrays another character and we would be dead i don't need alcohol poisoning on a wednesday night <laughs> I have work to do tomorrow. Oh, God. Um, Okay. The one thing I did like in Chapter 7 is, like, I liked that even though it was really painful to see how disgusting Cardin was being, like, I was glad that Jude continued to, like, stay strong in her defiance and, like, won't give in to him and is, like, again, being belligerent (laughs) in her refusal to accept her lived reality um like she should give in to this and like give up but it's it's nice to see that she isn't i always love that like bravery and resiliency and heroes even though i can't relate to it whatsoever because i'd give up so quick because i have no sense of bravery i'm all about (laughs) self-preservation but yeah um also i just Taryn's weak in this chapter. Like, why are you willing to forsake your sister? Just fucking swim. Get it together, Taryn. Come on. Jude just... She's, like, waging war on the world and needs to get over herself. She is an angsty teenager. Cardin (laughs) feels the need to reinforce the fact that he's immortal... We know, dude. You've told us every chapter. Like, I don't need to be reminded again. Jude doesn't need to be reminded again. This is, like, for him, the only thing that he can hold over Jude. I, yeah, that's true. That must be it. Because, like, I don't, otherwise, he must think that she's immensely stupid, which doesn't make sense at all because she's like answering questions correctly in class like she clearly knows what's going on in the world mm-hmm. but then my conspiracy theory <laughs> start coming out again i'm like what's happening in this tournament that he's like so hardcore pressing that she shouldn't fight in it like something's gonna happen in this tournament i'm predicting it now it's not a normal thing okay the coup's coming julia the coup is coming <laughs> Okay. Maddox leading it. That's why he doesn't want her to fight as a knight in the tournament. Uh-huh. Because he's going to do something. Uh-huh. The world's getting to me. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I, well, okay. It just, you might be a little disappointed. Just like a little bit. I'm just going to tell you that. Probably. I mean, well, so it could very well be that it's just like the fairies don't want integration of the mortals into their world, which... This isn't a pop culture reference, so I'm going to say it now. But it, like, felt... The way Cardin was talking felt very, like... 
the integration of public schools, like Ruby Bridges era kind of time frame, mm-hmm. just like very icky feeling about like how yeah. the people on the wrong side of history were dealing with things. Um, so I don't want that to be the only reason that he's rejecting it. I want there to be like something more impactful, like Maddox planning a coup. Again, not really good for the current state of the world, but, like, that would just make me feel better about the situation overall, that there's, like, this ulterior motive and this secret plan, and everyone's in on it to try to keep Jude out of the fighting. I'm probably wrong, but, like, I'm going to stick to my guns on my prediction there. Okay. And you can... back to that at the end of the book. (laughs) You can throw it in my face later. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, that's all I got for chapter seven. Sorry, that was very long-winded. No, that was good. That was great. Okay, uh, chapter eight. Oh my god, I put this comment in the wrong place. Wait, you start, because I need to move (laughs) this to my pop culture references. Okay. I personally, I, this was a long paragraph about periods, but I loved it like i feel like we don't talk about periods enough in my fiction with all of these like teenage girls fighting monsters and going into battles and saving the world and never do we learn about their peers like how do they take care of their periods like it is a real thing like are they all famished to the point where they don't have their periods which that is are they all gymnasts <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> Do we have, need to have a talk here? Uh, True. But, like, I think that she went maybe a little too in-depth about it. She was, like, <laughs> trying to, like, justify having this whole insert about tampons. But, oh like, it's okay. I can get on board with it. I very much, I very much enjoyed that anecdote. Um, I agree. I don't know if I have anything else to say. I mean, I already said this when we were going over it, but, like, I, too, I relate to Jude, because I, too, would react in the same way if some guy tried to grab my wrist to flirt with me. Like, it's one thing to catcall. It's another thing to get physical. Like, you don't go there. I'm sorry. In a mall? Uh, Teenage boys are so dumb. They really are. Anyway, so that's all I had. Okay, I have a lot of comments for chapter eight, so I apologize in advance. So many feelings about this book, Julia. So at the beginning of the book, Jude makes a comment about Vivi, which I thought was really interesting. She says that Vivi has cheerful selfishness, (laughs) which she encourages other people to have too which is why it's so easy to hang out around her because like she's cheerfully selfish but she wants you to be that too so everyone's having a good time being cheerfully selfish I don't understand what that means and I was hoping you could explain to me what cheerful selfishness is because like I've clearly never experienced that in my life I feel like it's, like, healthy selfishness. Like, sometimes you have to be kind of selfish because you have to put yourself forward or ahead of other people. Mm-hmm. I think it, that's how I took it as to me. Like, I'm going to take a day for myself, even though I have work due for someone else, but, like, I have been working my butt off 
like that sort of so it's like having a good attitude about the balance in your life for self-preservation okay yeah i don't understand that because i don't do that effectively (laughs) or healthily so like good to know (laughs) i should do that either for a long time (laughs) let me tell you it feels good (laughs) i'm getting there 2021's been great like my new year's resolutions it's working um I really love, too, also before they go to the mortal realm, how much time Holly Black spends on, like, describing each of their outfits. I know. <laughs> like, we get to hear about all these mortal clothes, which it's so fun to hear about it in, like, a different light. This is where I like Jude's narration, because it's, like, unique to her. Like, it's not necessarily interesting, because she doesn't care about mortal clothes, mm-hmm. but she, it's different so she actually takes the time to describe it also i love how funkily they're all dressed like she's like oh yeah i'm wearing a so hard wearing jeans and a black t-shirt and my glitter converse i mean that's how i dressed as a teenager (laughs) you had glitter converse because that's so cool i would have wished for some i wanted glitter shorts though i had pink converse like high tops well, not, like, full high tops, but just, like, chunky ones, like, mm-hmm. over-the-ankle um, converse, and I wore them to soccer practice one day because I forgot my cleats, and we were practicing in really, really muddy terrain, and so they became brown, and my mom tried to bleach them, and they were forever ruined, and I've never owned another pair of converse since then because I continuously mourn my pink converse um so converse always made my feet look really big i mean i have big feet but like they would accentuate their largeness <laughs> i would love for that to happen my feet are kind of small so that would that would Mine balance me big. out a little bit oh, maybe you should try converse again <laughs> we're in a pandemic why do i need to wear shoes <laughs> i literally wear my adidas sliders to take the garbage out every day <laughs> oh god um okay i also just miss going to the mall like i really miss being a teenager and going to the mall with my friends oh i never went to the mall with my friends because we didn't have one but i just miss going to the malls period well you can claim burlington when we all went together we didn't go to a mall that was the street (laughs) We went to a restaurant. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was not a mall. Thank I you tried. For <laughs> okay, well, um, I lived in a very suburban area, not a rural area. So, like, that was a thing I did. Like, on the weekends with my friends, we'd go see a movie at the mall and then, like, go hang out in Claire's afterwards. Oh, and, like buy stupid stuff go get jamba juice in the food court like it was an event to go to the mall and i loved it as a teenager and then i moved to philadelphia and i started meeting people from new york and they were like malls are for poor people and then i started getting really self-conscious about my love of malls 
thanks New York but it's you know like I just miss that feeling of like the pure bliss of like going to the mall and like wandering through JCPenney and going to the food court and just hanging out it was such an easier time what's so nice being around people who are just shopping and not paying attention to you it's like a little mini city in a little little building (laughs) it's so fun and it just made me really sad this whole chapter how angry jude was because i was like the mall is so fun you are vivi in this scenario she's like mall yeah she's like no (laughs) exactly um but also like it's very jarring after spending seven chapters like in the world of fairy To be like, ah, oh, yes, we wandered through a JCPenney. I know. That, I cackle at that. It's not, it's not like it's a, like, nice department store. It's a JCPenney. Heather was waiting outside of the Apple store. Apple store. It was oh. just, it was so funny. It was so just, like, it it was funny i enjoyed it but very jarring like it kind of shocked me awake mm-hmm. in terms of like where we were at in the story which is good i still i i don't understand like i get that jude is angry with Cardin and the fairy world and maddock for like not letting her fight but like why the hell is she just like wanting to like kick random children i know <laughs> mortals didn't do anything to her issues seriously does um she's upset that other people are happy and she's too young to be so bitter well i think it was that she i think i took it to mean that she was kind of like jealous like this kid has a parent and they don't know like what is going to come at them in life you know and like she could be that kid and she would be a lot happier being that kid with a parent in the regular human world without knowing what fairy world is etc 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 okay i'll read her as jealous that marginally helps rather than her just being like this kid's happy i'm gonna take his candy (laughs) which is how i was reading it um though okay one thing i do want to point out for this chapter which kind of took me by surprise and it's probably just because it's the first time we've actually spent a lot of time with vivi but her callousness really took me by surprise in this chapter not in a bad way though like normally i hate callous characters because they're assholes but like kind of going back to that cheerful selfishness like somehow the callousness and the coldness just like works on vivi in a way that i still relate to (laughs) i feel like i wouldn't call her callous so much as just very very blunt like she still cares about her sisters and that's the whole reason she brought them away from the fairy world i think she knows like they needed a different setting to work on their problems mm-hmm. um and like she clearly wants them to meet this girl right <laughs> and she's like casually like i'm gonna move in with her and they're like what well i think she cares it's not that she doesn't like love them and like have emotions for them and like care for them but when I say callous, I mean, like, like her her offhanded comments are very callous. They're very cold. Like, the comment, she's like, 
while our dead parents like just out of no it's like you don't need to say it that way if you were a little bit more mindful of your sister's feelings you wouldn't say it that way um so i think the callousness just comes from her being part fairy to be honest it based on how everyone's been talking like that that what's the full truth and nothing but the truth right the parents are dead (laughs) your job that you've wanted your entire life that's boring (laughs) like it's just the bluntness is like a step past bluntness where i don't feel warmth in it if that makes sense which is why i would say it's callous like veering towards that cold demeanor but the way that vivi does it and is is in a way that i still enjoy her and like relate to her as a character because like she can be blunt but she's not intentionally being mean Mm. she's not cruel she's callous but not cruel and there's still love in her heart that you can tell is there and it's such a fine balance that i'm like crossing my fingers holly black maintains that balance and does not tip her in a way that makes me no longer enjoy her because so far she's my favorite character (laughs) um but like some of the things that she says like they're just a little they're a little cold like the thing especially the thing about maddox killing their parents it's just like a little out of nowhere and cold but i think it's good for jude because jude needs a little bit of flippantness in her life because she takes things way too seriously and she needs to chill the hell out (laughs) she needs a chill pill um and then she makes a comment jude makes a comment about vivi being like matic about like liking heather and i would appreciate your thoughts on this i think jude is just being a brat like I think they're still very different. Maddox took their mother to live with him in Fairy. Didn't really, sounds like probably didn't listen to her wants and wishes. And that forced her to, to fake her death and escape to the mortal realm. Whereas like Vivi wants to do everything to make Heather feel comfortable and like conform to her life rather than try to bring her into Vivi's current circumstances so I still I still think that there's a clear divide even though that they're both in love with humans yeah I think Maddox would just be mad that Vivi's clearly trying to make a life away from him like it's clear well, yeah he's trying to still keep her there and yeah I don't know we'll see how that unfolds <laughs> I just think it's a little unfair to be like for Jude to make such a comment that's like oh well she wants to be so different from dad but she's just like him because she fell in love yeah, with the human I, I agree. and i think she's just being a little bratty because it's like there's more to each of those situations than is being taken into consideration in her in well, her model also i think that jude has problems with romance like she talked in the same chapter she talks about like tara and being this perfect wife and blah 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 and she'll have these very kids and she's so salty and, like, in that same paragraph is when she's like, well, Vivian's going to be just like our dad with this human, et cetera, et cetera. Like, she has to get over these issues. Well, and it's such, like, a vehement, like, rejection of other people's happiness that it's unsettling. Like, I wish 
I wish it was more a situation where Jude was, like, ace. And she was just like, oh, I can't be bothered with this stuff. Happy for you, though. Good job. Great. Like, that, I think, would be a little bit more palatable to me than yeah. this. Because I think that's a really great point that you bring up, that she just... She's very angry about other people's romantic happiness. Angry. She's She's angry at everything. Anytime someone expresses a modicum of happiness, she's like, you should die. (laughs) It's just a lot. Okay, it's also kind of crazy that, like, Vivi hasn't told Heather anything about the world of fairy and like who she is and all of these powers that she has but she's like yeah i'm gonna move in with her and i'm gonna bring my two younger sisters she clearly does not she's not the realistic thinker here (laughs) like you can't uproot your entire family including two dependents that then you and heather would have to take care of and not tell her that you're part magic and that you get all of your money from acorns she lives in a fantasy world she lives in a true fantasy world she makes the mall her fantasy yep Uh, it's just yeah um hiding everything about your family while also trying to move in and like make a relationship that serious not a good relationship move i like vivi but that's bad choice yeah uh okay question for you that you're probably not going to answer for me because you're scared of giving me any context for this book (laughs) milo is named is he important does he come back? No. No. Damn it! Why do they keep doing this? <laughs> they did this with the little white-haired thief. They're doing it again with this emo boy. Characters I'm interested in? Nothing. I get nothing. I'm sorry to disappoint you. This is literally what I wrote. Is Milo important since he is named? Or I is- do wonder why she gave him a name like is milo someone important to her she was like i'm gonna name a character after you and names this asshole after this person maybe a fan won a contest or something i don't know but that poor fan like i know a good character but then okay okay so this is the last sentence i wrote with that thought or is this yet another situation like the little thief where i get my hopes up for foreshadowing and nothing happens for me Oh, I'm sorry. It's alright. I'm trying to make more out of this book than it is, just like you kept trying to do with the concealed. It's what we do. <laughs> um, also, I just want to say, like, staving off the terrifying possibility of romance. Perfect line. Mm-hmm. That's my that quarantine. In a nutshell. That's my quarantine mantra. Oh, that's you, okay. I mean, that's me too, but this not is... not out of choice. Jude just does it because she has a choice. You don't have a choice right now. I do. I have well, a choice. Not really, like it's not organic. Like it's harder to meet up with people. It doesn't feel quite right, you know. I have a hundred and thirteen notifications on Hinge, Julia. I could find a boyfriend from one of those if I really wanted to. 
Anyways, so yeah, staving off the terrifying possibility of romance. I relate to Jude on that, even though I think she's out for a sad life that I'm trying to get over myself. <laughs> Not with that guy, but, you know, trying to get over myself. She's um, not even trying, though. She's like, I don't want anything to do with this. Well, that's. I'm just very concerned about her mental health. I know. Like, she said hitting someone was the most honest, and for listeners, I'm putting that in air quotes, the most honest thing she has done in a long time and important here apparently it makes her feel better than great because it makes her feel nothing it's it's very concerning like i'm concerned about her mental health like she doesn't seem like she's okay and feeling empty is not the goal yeah I also don't really understand how hitting someone makes you feel honest. I mean, you did say you took a punching, or punching, <laughs> you took a boxing and punching felt very good, so maybe it's the same thing. We'll never know because we're never going to punch anyone, so. <laughs> right. Like, I've slapped people in the past and I felt horrible after it. Like, I do not like committing any acts of violence, but the, the motion... Of, like, it's punching, like, the air, like, boxing, or even punching a punching bag. You're just, like, expelling negative energy from your body in a way that I think not all exercise allows you to do. Like, I don't get that same feeling when I'm running. I don't get that same feeling when I'm doing squats or pull-ups or push-ups or whatever (laughs) random exercises you come up with. Like... They feel good. They, like, make me feel healthy, but it doesn't give me that same, like, rush of Mm, calm and, like, chill. Whereas, like, boxing, it's, like, very energetic. Like, you're pumping your blood a lot. But it it feels like you're expelling toxins and, like, negative energy from your life. So, like, when I finish a session of boxing, I feel so calm. In a way that I haven't felt from any other exercise. I wouldn't feel that way if I punched someone in the face. Like, I would feel horrible and I'd get them a towel to mop up any blood. Yeah, and also, I'd be nice cradling person. my hand. Yeah, I'm not Jude. <laughs> I can't relate to Jude at all. So, like, feeling honest after punching someone, just, I don't get it. I just don't get it. I can't relate to her. This book is really hard for me. <laughs> Okay. I'm trying. I just, I don't know. But, you know, maybe when she says she feels nothing or empty and, like, you know, hitting someone felt honest, that, like, she just, as a character, maybe doesn't have the right words to describe what she's feeling. So maybe it is more in line with, like, what I feel when I take a boxing class or, like, do a boxing class on my Switch, where it's, like, this stress and anxiety and pressure that she has mounted on herself felt lifted. Yeah. So she felt I think that free. She, she needs to have someone she can talk to honestly about feelings. Because, like, I don't think yeah. she feels that way with Tara, and I don't think no. she feels that way with Beauty, and those are the only two people that she could possibly do that right. with. Right. 
and it seems like everyone in fairy has a lot of their own issues they're not gonna listen to her no like therapists probably don't exist in fairy maybe she could talk to Tatterfell and Tatterfell would just like nod at her and then fly away (laughs) yeah Tatterfell would be like are you okay bye but that's the only person I can think of like she needs a human therapist to like work through this with yeah (sighs) so it reminds me of that Korean drama I'm telling you I mean this kind of pop culture reference but the Bride of Hobbit like the the main character is a therapist and she knows all of this stuff about all of these gods and so she makes a very good therapist for the gods because they can be open and honest with her about how they're feeling about their godly powers (laughs) which is so dumb but i love it Uh, anyways um okay i have two more comments quickly Choke cherry jelly kind of sounds delicious, so I would like 12 jars to be delivered to me. Thank you. (laughs) Any sort of jelly. I love jelly. Same. (laughs) And then I just was very grumpy at the end of this chapter that we met yet another new character. Fanned. I don't know who that is, but, like, why are we meeting another person, and why do they all have weird names? I have enough names to remember. <laughs> I'm done. I'm at capacity. They're all weird names. Okay, but still, I'm good. Pass. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> You're like, fan, don't care about them. No, they can go away. Uh, that's all I have for Chapter 8. Do you have any other comments? I do not. All right, should we get into pop culture? Let's do it. Chapter six. What do you got? Um, I have one. Okay. Uh, the whole um oak situation and um, I'm blanking on which how she calls it. Uh, but being glamour. There we go. Mm-hmm. Reminds me so much of Ella Enchanted, <laughs> and like oh. being forced to do things against her will and like anything that they want i mean in this case it's not by an evil uncle it's (laughs) by um the little half not even half brother the little boy sort of brother little boy who has no no real sense of what he's doing Mm -hmm. um but yeah that that reminded me a lot but can't really get out of it in this case she can only wear rowan berries to protect herself it's true that's a good one i haven't thought about oh enchanted in a really long time i like that um such a good story both of my pop culture references for chapter six are very related to like the method in which everything was told to us oh i kind of talked about that in the general commentary but it feels like a deviation from the normal mm-hmm. narration style um, so, I'll, I'll do, I'll do my second comment first, um, but, like, I could almost kind of get the sense of, like, a monologue aside in Hamlet, where it's, like, all of this action is happening and all of these things are going on, and then all of a sudden Hamlet's, like, to be or not to be, that is the question, and just, like, goes <laughs> off, and you're, like, wait. Yeah. <laughs> why are you speaking and no one else can hear you what's happening 
That happens in so many works from Shakespeare, too, though. These random tangents. It does. He loves, he loves a good aside. Shakespeare loves a good aside. But Hamlet, I think, is the most famous and prominent of them, which is why that's where my brain went first. But it also, like, the way she was writing things and, like, the different stories for the first time, even though this has been a first-person narration the entire time, this is the first time it almost felt epistolary. Like, she was writing a diary entry. So, of course, my brain was like, ah, the princess diaries. (laughs) It's like when Mia would, like, flashback and tell us stories or, like, make her list. you to rehab for the princess diaries and Six of Crows. I should never have introduced you to that book. (laughs) You don't regret it. I don't, but I'm like, <laughs> the Princess Diaries and Sister Crows, oh my god. Okay, but to be fair, Princess Diaries was something we just bonded over. Because yes, we both true. were obsessed with it when we were friends. true. Oh my god. I can't help it. Like, every time I read an epistolary, like, novel, my brain either goes to two places. You either get, like the very structured highbrow epistolary novel and then my brain goes Frankenstein or you get lowbrow princess diaries and this is lowbrow oh my god like it's just teenage cattiness I would love a podcast one podcast episode that we do without something relating back to the princess diaries princess of crows like what I think most of the concealed does not mention either of those two books. Okay, good, good. Okay, yeah, doubtful, but good. That's all I have for chapter six. It's the Princess Diaries and Hamlet. Okay, chapter seven. I don't think I had anything. I just had the the mermaid comment. Okay, um, so I had the Grindelow comment. So similar there. <laughs> So I'll do, I'll do, again, do my second one first, because I think it'll oh be God. easier. Um, so I think Jude, as I kind of was mentioning, she's being very, like, reckless, like, picking all these different fights and, like, giving off this vibe that she wants to basically mm-hmm. just throw herself off a cliff because Maddox said no to her. So she's just going to be insanely reckless and all over the place and a you know I don't care about the world attitude and you can treat me however you want like I will stick strong to my convictions whatever and it was just the way that certain parts of it were described were going back to the concealed um very reminiscent of Bella in New Moon where she was like seeking those adrenaline highs to try to find those like glimpses of Edward (laughs) so she went literal cliff diving (laughs) because she was being reckless and not thinking about the consequences and that's jude she's not thinking about one consequence she's like how can i get the high of feeling like i'm really powerful i'm gonna do that thing i'm gonna pull a prank i'm gonna shove Cardin into a tree i don't care (laughs) and that's just not a good choice um and then 
this I don't know why this came in so clearly for me I know the moment it happened they were talking about um the classes in chapter seven and they said that they had a cat-headed goblin as their teacher and that Cardin was like glaring at her from across the room and immediately I was transported to like 2012 Chantel sitting in a chair at the Pantages Theater in Seattle, or maybe the Fifth Avenue Theater in Seattle, watching Wicked for the very first time with the goat professor, so you still have that animal-like professor, and loathing between Glinda and Alphaba popped into my head. <laughs> Jude is Alphaba, Cardin is Glinda. You cannot convince me I am wrong. <laughs> That's like the hardest connection. Like, I do not know how you got from point A to point B, but okay. It's it's because of the animal teacher thing. Like, so, for some reason, the okay. cat-headed professor reminded me of the goat professor, <laughs> and my brain just like went on a tangent. But like, you have to admit, they have an animal teacher. They're at a magic school. Alphaba is a teacher's pet and is always answering questions correctly and being really obnoxious, but no one likes her and she's not very popular because she's different from the rest of them. And Galinda's super popular and everyone's constantly sucking up to her, but for whatever reason, she hates Alphaba and is now to try to make her life miserable. You cannot tell me that is not Cardin and Jude. I will not listen. I would never have made that connection in a million years. So good. I miss Broadway. Yes, clearly. That's all I got. Um, Yep, so that's all I got for chapter seven. What do you got for chapter eight? (laughs) Um, So the whole going going to the mall scene reminds me a lot of Vampire Academy. Cannot mm-hmm. for the life of me remember reading it in the books, but I have watched the movies a lot. Or the movie. <laughs> We've watched the movie a lot <laughs> together. Yes, I have. <laughs> um, and they're going to get their pop prom dresses or whatever they're, mm-hmm. they're doing. Um, and also, like, it's like a direct copy. <laughs> I don't remember what her name is uh, in Vampire Academy, but um. She thinks that somebody's trying to attack them because this girl is screaming, so she basically, like, karate chops this poor girl in the middle of the mall. Is that the Zoe Dutch character? Yes. Mm -hmm. Same idea, going to a mall and thinks that she's getting attacked. Jude attacks this guy doesn't realize it's pretty harmless. That's a great connection. I love that. Um, yeah, and then the period scene, the tampon scene, um, here remind me a lot of in the Queen's Gambit. Um, Beth Harmon gets her period in the middle of a chess tournament. Obviously, this is her first period in in um, in the Queen's Gambit. But um, she has to go to the bathroom, and she's like, "What the heck do I do?" And this girl comes in and gives her a pad. She doesn't end up using the pad, but that's regardless like it, there's still an appreciation for like directly talking about how this is affecting a character 
Because um, like, it matters. Are in, in, they're inconvenient. They're so annoying. They don't come at the best of times. And you have to just deal with it. We're women. We have to suck it right. up and deal with it. Being a woman's you know? hard, and it's part of our lived reality, and we shouldn't pretend that it's not. Yeah. I agree uh, with that. Yeah, that's all I had for chapter eight. What did you have? So I wrote one down while we were talking. Um, that's one that I had to move. <laughs> where um, something, like just the way you said it when we were first talking about chapter eight, Mm-hmm. All I could picture was the let's go to the mall video from How I Met Your Mother, like Robin's little music video. Have you watched oh, How I I've, Met Your Mother? No, I've never watched that. Okay, so. I know that there's a video of her being Canadian. <laughs> well, she's Canadian. Um, okay. But she, <laughs> the, her like secret that she hid from all of her friends for years and years and years she was a Canadian teenage pop star. Um, so she had, like, two music videos that were very, very popular in Canada, and then she performed them across Canada as a child. And one of them was called Let's Go to the Mall, which she then performed in malls across Canada. <laughs> and it was literally, like, her dancing around this, like, mall in Canada with her friends and like let's go to the mall and they just like hung out at the mall but it all of the rest of the lyrics were like super sexual because someone else wrote them (laughs) and there were these like teenagers so as an adult she's like don't get any ideas like don't make any comments this was innocent we were children and Barney and Ted are sitting there like how do we not make commentary about this? Oh, God. Um, that's not really relevant to my pop culture reference, but just the way you talked about Chapter 8, <laughs> like, triggered that music video viscerally for me. Oh, God. So people that have watched Time at Your Mother will yeah, probably I'm, appreciate the that, reference. But... I have another Princess Diaries comment. Oh, um, no. Okay, go. But this is a movie comment. Uh-huh. Does that make it better? Nope. Okay. Go on. Um, so the way that, like, Taryn and Vivi, or the way that Jude is commenting on what Taryn and Vivi are wearing, as well as what she's wearing, reminds me of that teen-style reporter in the first movie where she's like, and she came in wearing a wet t-shirt <laughs> and docks. That was so funny. That, that's good. That's a good reference. <laughs> it was hilarious, but, like, the way she was describing them, where she was just, like, so concerned with how not n- her normal it was, that what they were wearing, mm-hmm. that she was like, and I wore my glitter converse. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it just reminded me that... Um, Reminded me of that with, like, the, yeah, the reporter who comments on Mia's wet appearance and her Doc Martens, and then I just, in general, thought it was really funny, because it's kind of ironic, because all of the girls are dressing, like, what they think mortals dress like in magazines, and from the Princess Diaries, she was reporting for a magazine. They were clearly reading that magazine that she reported. Overlap. (laughs) It's, it's connected. It's all connected. Hmm. This is actually just a Princess Diaries fan fiction. Ooh. My life is a Princess Diaries <laughs> fan fiction. 
Circle of Life, Lion King reference. Let's go. Uh, I also think that, like, when they're describing how the fairy realm sort of, like, sits in relation to the mortal realm, it reminded me a lot of the Seelie realm from Mortal Instruments. Because I've been watching Shadowhunters, which I've told you, um, but, like, when they go to visit the Seelie realm and, like, go visit the Queen, uh, which I never got far enough in Shadowhunters the first time I watched it. I did not realize the Queen is played by Sarah Hyland in certain episodes. Oh, my episodes. God. Yeah. She's everywhere. She is. Like, half the time the Queen is played by a child and half the time the Queen is played by Sarah Hyland based on how the Queen feels like appearing that day. Mm. <laughs> um, but... To get to the Seelie Realm, you go to Central Park, and you have to, like, jump off a bridge into some water, and it, like, transports you into the Seelie Realm, but it's, like, right next to the Mortal Realm, so that idea of, like, kind of being, like, beneath and beside yeah. uh, just felt very visually reminiscent to what I've been watching for Shadowhunters, like, the mm-hmm. TV show. Um, also kind of reminds me of which I think was a book I was reading when I was with you, The Chosen Ones by um, Veronica Roth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they are all sort of like chosen ones in their realm, but they're, or in their dimension, but there's all of these other dimensions with all of these different chosen ones, and they accidentally, like, get sucked into this river and then get pulled into another realm and that like connection point is the river and the other realms like right there so just like Mm. the visualization of having everything be sort of kind of like right there i don't know why all of them are river crossings in my mind so it's it's nothing to do with the story but it just kind of reminded me of how close other dimensions can actually be in fantasy not in our real world because the multiverse theory hasn't been proven yet. I'm still bitter. It's fine. Um, and then, similar to what you did in The Concealed, her beat her beating up Milo was Miss Congeniality trigger for me. So you got that sing sort of... I mean, I know she punched him in the jaw, but, like, it's very close to the <laughs> solar planet. You know, so remember to sing. Yeah, um, so it was like very close, and it just kind of reminded me of Miss Congeniality mainly because, like, of the instantaneous response that she had, where she didn't even think about what she was doing; she just acted. And I feel like Sandra Bullock's character was very much like that. She might have actually punched the cute guy accidentally because he like snuck up on her and so she like punched him in the adam's apple yeah i think that she must have i think (laughs) so it kind of reminded me of that um but that's all i had it was very light on pop culture references this week good references though nonetheless quality i say as we're going on two and a half hours (laughs) on this podcast hopefully we have a lot of good bloopers (laughs) yeah I'll have to cut out a lot of this stuff. Um, okay, so... Mm-hmm. MVPs. Oh, MVPs. Oh, my God. I always forget about those. <laughs> yeah, MVPs oh my go God, first. I don't know if I have an MVP. Oh, no, Do you Julia. have an MVP? Uh, I do. 
My MVP is Vivi because I love that she's living her best gay life. I, I obviously want her to be more honest with her girlfriend, but I'm very <laughs> proud of her not. otherwise. She could just try to move in with her. Like, <laughs> this girl is a mess. She'll figure it out, and Heather will love her anyways, and it'll be fine. It's all going to be fine. Um, but I, I love that she's, like, trying to do something with her life. Like, just make her way out, carve her own path, be her own person, not live under her father's thumb, just because that's the situation that she's currently in. So, like, I, I'm just very impressed by her independence, and especially in Chapter 8. Um... And I also love that even though she's kind of callous, she really cares about her sisters and is really trying to make sure that they make up and that their little trifecta doesn't go completely, you know, doesn't get completely broken. She wants to make sure that they're all still together. She wants them to come move in with her. Like, she still wants to take care of them and make sure they're taken care of in general and not leave them to the whims of her father who's really cruel and also not their biological father so she like recognizes that that's probably not smart it's probably not smart to abandon them so yeah vivi's mine i think i'm gonna abstain from choosing an mvp i don't think i have an mvp i don't think anyone was worth it. i mean vivi was definitely worth it but you already chose her I don't you can choose her again if you have no one else i'd rather you pick her again than like not pick anyone I guess I will give a half vote to Vivi <laughs> as MVP for similar reasons you said, but I don't know. Nobody really impressed me in these couple chapters. No, like it was just a lot of Jude being an asshole. Yes. And Cardin and his cronies being an asshole. Mm-hmm. And Taryn crying. Yes. You can give it to Heather for being cool and also asking really good questions. Oh, I'll give it to Heather then. Let's let's change it up. I'm going to give my vote to Heather. For being normal and bringing being us a sense of calm. <laughs> I like Heather. Thanks, she Heather. seems fun. She's like, yeah. well, my parents laid out a toothbrush for Vinny. So cute. Oh, I love LGBTQ plus positive parents. Like, stand that that's what we need more in life anyways heather seems cute i hope we get more of her in a not problematic and sad way (laughs) okay now is your wine corner no it's my wine okay i'm giving this a four out of ten it's not wrong vermont rosé Super dry, flavorless, something you wouldn't expect. You're not going to drink it again. You did it, you tried it, you're like, okay, I'm good. I'm going to, you know, track it, rate it, and I'm going to forget about it. Like, you're going to forget the name of it. You're going to forget that you ever had it. And you will be perfectly fine forgetting about it. But you can say that you tried it. You can say that you really disliked it. On the palate, doesn't really taste like anything. Maybe it kind of tastes like a little bitter, but you're not taking away too much. Yeah, I would agree that these chapters were like a Vermont. I haven't had a Vermont rosé, but I would say like one of those Vermont fruit wines. <laughs> yeah, not good. Not good. Um, 
Now, in terms of unnecessary angst for the wine corner, for whining, uh, I'm going to go with a 9 out of 10. Yeah, there was a lot of wine. For this week. Jude, all of her, like, problematic angst was extremely unnecessary. And she just was complaining about everything under the sun, Mm -hmm. even things... That had no bearing on her life. Like, little children walking through JCPenney's being happy. It was so annoying. And this is, I think, the first time in a group of chapters that I've been, like, viscerally upset with how angsty the lead protagonist has been. I'm hoping she calms down a bit, but I do not have high hopes. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, the the wine corner in terms of angst, 9 out of 10. There was a lot of whining. That's accurate. That's accurate. All right. Uh, so that's it. We're so over time. I'm so sorry for keeping you up tonight. Um, but appreciate everyone that's listening. Thanks Hopefully listening. this isn't the most just like random all over the place episode like I feel it is so social media uh, you can follow us on Instagram <laughs> I can't even end the podcast <laughs> can we <laughs> I feel like part of us should just make this whole episode a blooper <laughs> but it's fine I'll edit it it'll be fine so you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Unnecessary Angst Pod on Twitter, which we haven't posted on for at least three weeks, but we will eventually post on again um, at Unangst Pod, U N A N G S T P O D, and you can also email us your thoughts on this book, um, other books that you want us to read and get lost in similar (laughs) tangents on uh ask for book recommendations give us book recommendations whatever we're constantly reading new things um so we're always happy to engage with you guys on email or social media and you can email us at unnecessaryangstpod at gmail.com you can find us on all podcasting apps if your favorite isn't included let us know i don't know how you'd be listening to us otherwise but keep us posted i guess and uh yeah we'll we'll talk to you next week when we come back to talk about the cruel prince some more and i come to rage about how much i hate jude some more (laughs) i you know that's what i aim for is healthy relationships with my ya protagonists (laughs) (laughs) so anyways thanks everyone we'll talk to you all soon bye